Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Gonna push tempo here. The Pelicans. Hold that follow through. He posed. That's right. This is what takes you to another level. What the Pell is up, everybody? This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on. Twitter, and I'm sure you know by now, news just broke right after we finished recording this podcast, so very, very timely. Doc Rivers has been hired to be the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, so he will not be the next head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Unfortunately, just Pelicans front office really flopped on this. They got a hold of him, but did not even bring him in for an interview. 76ers did hop on it, therefore, he will be the next head coach in philadelphia but that's not what we're talking about today uh it is unfortunate i'm sure we'll talk about it here soon we'll talk about it with ollie cosell on an upcoming podcast for sure but today we were joined by cyrus satsas host of warriors 24 with hall of famer rick barry he's formerly of the huffington post and he has been working with the golden state warriors flagship radio station as well covered him in different capacities throughout his career to he is at dog surf roadshow on twitter if you want to check him out but today we talked a lot about the current state of the warriors what he would recommend in terms of going forward with uh, grabbing a head coach this offseason in reference to steve kerr the current head coach for the golden state warriors and of course we finally get to the drew holiday trade scenario with the golden state warriors what he thinks what i would like the pelicans to go after and more. So stick around for this conversation with Cyrus that says of the Warriors 24 podcast. And we're joined by Cyrus Satsas. Satsas? I, I messed it up already. What is it? It's again. It's, it's Satsas. And uh, Satsas. I was on the Price is Right once many years ago. And back when Rod Roddy was um, still alive and he butchered it too. So it's okay. perfectly fine. <laughs> All right. I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one. So Cyrus, how you doing today, man? We appreciate you stopping by. I'm all right. I'm in California right now. We're in the middle of yet another heat wave and um, we have, have wildfires just miles from me. So the air is just choked right now with smoke. But other than that, I'm doing okay. I mean, you know, we're living in a... I, I mean, do you swear on this podcast? Is swearing long? You can't. Do, go for it. Do it. Yeah, we're living this fucking pandemic, and you know, I mean, I'm, a, I'm as, I guess I'm as good as you could be, you know. I mean, my OCD's out of control, fight, fighting depression. I mean, yeah, we're all struggling, man. I don't know anyone, in all honesty, who's really that happy right now. But so, with all things considered, I'm doing okay. How are you, man? <laughs> you know, uh, basically the same boat. We're coming off that presidential debate, which we do uh, not have to talk about in the slightest, because that's what not we're about here. Uh, and we could, it's your, yeah, we it's your show. <laughs> we could, but uh, yeah, we are. Uh, Going to talk some basketball here. Hopefully, get you away from the craziness of the world here for about <laughs> half an hour, maybe a little bit longer. But uh, all right, <laughs> we really appreciate you joining us, Cyrus. Yeah. And uh, we talked a little bit about the about it before we started here. But uh, we hope you're staying safe and and getting some decent air quality, staying inside the house and and breathing okay during this Thank you. time. But thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. So. Warriors are coming off a little bit of a tough season this last year. I don't know if you would call it that necessarily considering. I wouldn't. No? I would okay. not, not at all. But go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. You, you're, you're fine. Considering uh, Steph, Clay, and Draymond all out, and uh, they moved up, got the second overall pick because of that record, were able to move, move D'Angelo Russell over to Minnesota and acquire Andrew Wiggins in the process. But mm-hmm. like I said, you are lined up. The Warriors are lined up for the second overall pick. How are you feeling right now about the uh, state of Dub Nation? 
I, I'm, I'm one of the ones who's been feeling great to me when you have a run like they did. I mean, they had arguably the most dominant five-year run in NBA history. From a regular season perspective, you could strongly make that argument. Um, and three titles in five years. I mean, they got the dynasty. So, I, I, you know, I try to be pragmatic when it comes to the Warriors and just in life in general. And, with, and when you go to the finals for five straight years, I mean, no one can handle that level of intensity for that long. I mean, Michael Jordan had to step away from the game for a while just to kind of re- reset and regroup. Um, and, and the Warriors had to do the same. I mean, it was, it was a forced purgatory in the sense that, you know, Clay Thompson's ACL injury obviously knocked him out. Stephen Curry, even though he played at the beginning of the year, I mean, it's just, you know, he had no supporting cast and then he broke his wrist or hand or whatever that was, you know, early on. Draymond Green clearly did not give a shit last year. I think he saw the writing on the wall. He knew this was just a like a lapse year, a gap year, I guess is what they called it. Um, you know, so he just he half-assed the whole season as Charles Barkley famously, you know, uttered the line repeatedly. It, he averaged a triple single this year. Um, you know, so it's it was it was a gap year. I mean, I think a gap year is the best way to label it. When you have a five-year run like that, you know, some dynasties end. And the fact that the Warriors could very easily just resume it after taking one year off, um, to me, if you're a Warriors fan, you're ecstatic. I mean, you're coming off one of the greatest runs ever, and you're about to be in world title contention again, depending on what the offseason moves are. Um, so I'm you know, someone who, you know, I grew up loving the Warriors. I've been a fan of the team since I was eight years old. Um, back when Sleepy Floyd, one of my earliest memories was Sleepy Floyd setting the playoff record for most points in a quarter and half, which he still holds to this day. Um, 29 and a quarter, 39 and a half, uh, with the Warriors staved off a 3 0, uh, staved off a sweep from the Lakers. This was back in, I think, 87, 88. And uh, so I, I love the Warriors. And for me, I was happy taking a year off. For me, it was worth it, you know, and because now, they are set up for a potential three to four year run if their players, their core players stay healthy. Um, and the fact that they kind of went from, I guess I just love the fact that they have a head coach who was tutored and mentored by arguably the two greatest head coaches in NBA history. Um, not, that isn't named Red Auerbach, right? And we're talking about Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich. And you could see him modeling the team based largely on their leadership styles early on he's been following the phil jackson slash chicago bulls rebuild mode right or the the transition mode to maintain that dynasty and now you can kind of see them eyeing the san antonio spurs model of long-term longevity in terms of being relevant and successful um and 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 i think this draft pick and this draft coming up and, and what the warriors do will say a lot about whether or not they value the immediacy of winning titles now or maintaining relevancy while trying to go for a long-term approach. But anyways, to, to answer your question from this long-winded answer, <laughs> yeah, I'm stoked, man. I'm stoked. I'm happy. I'm not concerned. And I'm excited to see what they do. You know, that's something that I haven't really thought about. I mean, it, we kind of take for granted the five-year run that the Warriors had, one, because of the 3-1 comeback that I'm sure is still too soon for you and other Forever. Yeah. Warriors fans. Yes, yeah. Always going to be too soon. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. Here, here's the thing. I mean, the three, one thing, and, and I say this every time I've interviewed or anytime the topic comes up, uh, it's a bitter, it was a bitter experience, but it wasn't so much bitter for like how it ended. I mean, that game seven was one of the most torturous experiences of any Warriors fans lives. I mean, the, the Iguodala block, the endless heaves of threes that wouldn't go in the Kyrie Irving three, those are all daggers clearly, but what stings to me the most. And when I'm talking with Rick Barry in our show is his friend, Kiki Vandaway, who's kind of like the cop of the NBA, right? He, he levies the punishments. He decides what the punishments are. And to me, it was the biggest dickhead move in the planet. And it was a, a completely just handing LeBron a present and suspending Draymond green in game five. I mean, the Warriors had a three, one lead. They took a win in Cleveland they had complete momentum. Momentum is one of those things that is not a measurable. You cannot write it down if you're an analytic nerd. You cannot measure momentum, yet it is a very important part of sports. And that decision just took all the momentum away from the Warriors and gave it to Cleveland and gave them life. You gave LeBron James, a top five all-time player, a second chance in the NBA Finals. That is such a bullshit decision by the NBA to this day I'm incensed about because I strongly believe the Warriors would have sealed that, that series and won it 4-1 if it wasn't for that Draymond suspension. So that's what I'm like still more bitter about. Like I don't see the Warriors, like a lot of people, especially all the LeBron fans, love calling that a choke job of the Warriors. I call it a rigging job. 
and a handout to LeBron that allowed them to come back. Um, so yeah, it's a sore subject forever, but I always have to add that side note. You guys didn't just do come back from three, one on your own. You needed the NBA. You needed them to take out a star player. The only time in the history of the NBA finals has that ever happened where the NBA suspends a marquee player from a team in the middle of the series. I can't think of that happening in any of the four major sports at that level, at the championship level. Um, and it's also worth noting, too, in 2015, when the Warriors won their first title, I know blowing a 2-1 lead is not the same as a 3-1 lead, but LeBron did blow a 2-1 lead. No one ever brings that up, you know? So, anyways, uh, I digress, but... Yes. <clears throat> <laughs> as as we were uh, going with that, the the five year yeah. run and, and taking that break this year, that's got to be yeah. huge for guys like Steph, Clay, Draymond. They've just been going hard, even the year prior to winning their first title, uh, getting bounced by the Clippers in the first round. That that was a uh, uh, that was really their come up year where they were really putting the league on notice. And so this break this year had to be so valuable. And who knows? I mean, we're talking about a possible Drew Holiday trade here with the Warriors, they have that second overall pick. They still have Andrew Diggins. And I mean, uh-huh. uh, these are pieces to be moved, possibly. Obviously, we're going to get into that. But yeah. the future really does look bright for the Golden State Warriors. It does. I mean, the present looks good. I mean, I, don't, I mean, the future, I don't know how long down the road you're talking about. Like right now, right. it looks good for at least the next three, four years. Yeah, but, right. um, you know, Steph's, gonna, Steph's, what, 32 right now, I think. I mean, Clay turned 30 recently. Draymond, if he's not 30, he's about to turn 30. Um, so they're, they're really prime players are not getting any younger. Wiggins, I think, is only 25, um, but he's still improving. I mean, I, I got to be realistic here. I mean, we, we still don't know for sure what Wiggins is going to do. I'm insanely optimistic about Wiggins. Like, I, to me, that was a beautiful trade. It was the best possible trade you could have pulled um, for D'Angelo Russell simply because there just wasn't that much interest in him. Um, you know, a lot of people griped about how they could have done better than, than Andrew Wiggins. And I always respond to that, say, how, who, you know, I mean, if there's a better offer out there, the Warriors would have taken it. Um, but yeah, so there, and and the build for the future thing, I would only agree with that statement if they keep the number two pick and the number two pick ends up being someone who succeeds. And, um, this is a draft that is not laden with talent. This is not a star power heavy draft. There's a lot of gambles in this draft. I think Anthony Bennett might be the only sure thing. And I'm guessing Minnesota is going to take, or not Anthony Bennett. What's his I name? was going to say, whoa, no, what? <laughs> no, no. That was, that was a brain fart from like five years ago. Uh, what's his name? The guy from Georgia, the shooting guard. Uh, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Thank you. I, I feel like he's the only possible sure thing. Because um, other than that, if you look at the roster, it's, it's a lot of scrubs. I mean, all the young players they have, besides, you know, besides Wiggins, are just scrubs. I mean, these are not guys you're going to build your roster around. So, I, you know, I'm, it, it depends. I mean, they're, they're built for now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, if this number two pick pans out, yeah, then you could definitely make the claim that they're built for the future as well. But um, it's all or nothing for now. That's the best I could tell you. Sure. I guess when I meant the future is bright, I meant like the next three, four years. Typically, yeah, yeah. When, we, yeah, when we think of that connotation, we think of like the Pelicans who have Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Yes. And, you're and built for, like, your team is built for like 10 years. Like exactly. You're like 10, 15 years. That's a, <laughs> like you guys could have a serious dynasty there if, if the pieces come together. Yeah. Uh, we're uh, not too confident of that at the uh, moment in time, but we'll, we'll get to that here in a quick second right. here. So, so that move for Andrew Wiggins this last season, I've mm-hmm. heard a ton of people, a lot of people in the national media especially, said that he was a perfect fit for that system at Golden yes. State. Um, I, I personally, so I love D'Angelo. I, I think his game has really evolved in the last three, four years. Uh, he's become so much more mature, especially after being traded to Brooklyn. I would have liked to see him if he could have fit in that system. I know he's another ball-dominant guy like Steph or like Steph can be. I know he's, he's great off the ball as well. So what were your thoughts on the move? Do you think it was an improvement? Would you have liked to see more of D'Angelo Russell in, in no. Golden State? No. I, I, the, the moment they made that trade, the only thing I saw was a stopgap piece to get someone else. And the reason why is the Warriors didn't need him. I mean, he, he just was not a fit in any regard. The last thing the Warriors need is someone else who needs to handle the ball. They got plenty of that already. And what the Warriors needed, which D'Angelo did not provide, was perimeter defense. I mean, when, when you have D'Angelo in there along with Steph, 
two of your five players are six three or shorter. You know, as the Raptors showed you in the playoffs, that doesn't work. You can't have a tiny little small ball backcourt and succeed in a game where a lot of the athletes are much larger and much bigger. Um, so for me, and again, you're, you're, the Warriors' primary goal here was to replace Kevin Durant. And D'Angelo Russell just is not anywhere in that league, you know. I, I, I think the, the Timberwolves were a perfect fit um, because they need a baller. Um, and that's why I also think – I think that's the reason why they're going to draft Anthony Edwards is because Edwards is not could, – he could handle the ball, but he doesn't need it. I mean, he's an off-the-ball uh, shooting guard. And um, so I think he would be, he's going to be a great fit for them, and I'm almost positive that's who they're going to draft. So it, it's a, the draft is very interesting. I mean, to answer your question, first off, I was not someone who from the beginning was stoked on D'Angelo Russell. I know some people say he matured from his Lakers days. I am still suspect about that. Just because he had one or two good years in Brooklyn, to me, does not automatically remove all the weird things he did in L.A., such as throwing his teammate under the bus. Um, even when he was with the Warriors, uh, he did a shady thing where um, the Warriors, for, I think that for a brief moment there, they waived uh, Marquez Chris, who's going to be projected to be their starting center next year. Um, a former lottery pick. The guy's really exciting. He's a, he's, a, he's a great rebounder, great, you know, catch and lob, dunker. Um, and Marquez Chris, when he was waived by the Warriors, and, he, and it was done so because of salary cap reasons, the Warriors were just strapped last year under the salary cap. I don't know if you're aware of this, but when, they, when any team does a sign-and-trade like they did to get D'Angelo Russell, for that first year, you're hard-capped. Like, you cannot use the luxury tax. You can't go a penny over that cap. The rule's restricted. So the Warriors were so up against that cap that they couldn't even keep Marquez Chris on another 10-day contract because it would have pushed them over the cap. The NBA wasn't going to let them. So they had to waive him and restructure some other deals or wait out some other 10-day contracts to expire. And when that first happened, D'Angelo Russell like posted stuff on social media criticizing the Warriors brass for, for letting Marquez Chris go. It was subtle. I think it was done in like emojis. But that enough, like I have such a disdain for athletes who pour their gripes publicly to the media. You know, like I, to me, if you have an issue with your team, keep it in-house. And the fact that D'Angelo did that, I'm, I'm positive that was a huge flag for the Warriors. Like, I know Steve Kerr and Bob Myers saw that and probably raised their eyebrows because they saw a player who, by doing so, revealed that he still is not fully mature. Um, I don't even have faith that Minnesota is going to succeed with them, in all honesty, unless they get a third piece that's really dynamic. I don't see Minnesota even make the playoffs with that, with that tandem next year. So, again, I know my answers are long for you. I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, yeah, I'm super stoked that D'Angelo Russell is gone. And, um, again, I saw it from the beginning that it was just – he was a filler. You know, he, he was an asset that they got in return for losing Durant. And that was part of the one-year sacrifice, too, is that because they were hard-capped, they were never going to get the help they needed anyways. And now, going into next year, they got a $17.2 million trade exception – um, which I have a list of players they could, they could make a move for to, to, to fill that spot. They got the number two pick in the draft. Their roster's healthy again. Who knows what else they're going to do? I mean, I'm hearing a lot of grumblings of solid veteran players in this league who want to play for the Warriors next year for a shot at a title. So I'm stoked, man. I'm stoked. I'm happy. I didn't know that, that uh, fact about D'Angelo possibly, you know, subtweeting the Warriors organization. Obviously, that's something the Warriors are trying to control and, and trying to get Marquez Chris back on the roster and, and figure out. Oh, he came back. Out, so he came he back. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, they, right. they brought him back like two weeks later. But just, again, just to publicly express your gripe, that just doesn't go well. I mean, I mean, we're seeing, we saw that recently um, in the playoffs with Michael Porter Jr., who is an insanely ignorant person. I mean, I hope he gets educated as he gets older and matures. <laughs> Um, but we, we saw him publicly gripe after, uh, what was it, like game one or game two of the, of the conference semis. Um, granted, that worked out for the Nuggets short term, but still, I mean, teams just don't want that. Like, no team wants their players publicly expressing their discontent. You keep that in-house, man. You keep that in the locker room. If you have a problem with your employer, you, you bring it up with the employer. You don't start, you know, expressing your displeasure publicly. Um, so yeah. And, and again, it, and, and I think in that case, it takes someone who covers the team to have actually noticed that, um, the mainstream media did not pick up on that. It was, and it was, it was really subtle. It was like a, I can't remember if it was like a reply to someone else's Instagram post 
or if it was a comment under one of his own Instagram posts. It was really subtle, but if you follow the Warriors, and I guarantee if you work for the Warriors, you saw that. And um, so, yeah, so peace out, D'Angelo. I'm happy we got Wiggins. <laughs> Fair enough. And, you know, like you said, it was something that uh, local media noticed, and I've liked what he's done again I think you're dead on. I don't think the T-Wolves make the playoffs, especially considering they're in the West this year. I don't think yeah. Cats play equals wins. Uh, I think D'Angelo Russell, if you put him in the right situation, he can really help a team thrive. But <clears throat> him paired with Cat, I just don't think that does enough. They're a team that needs, like you said, a third star, a wing, preferably, yeah. um, a guy who can play off ball, um, and they just don't have that. And t- the Timberwolves, Minnesota is not a free agent destination at no. all. So no. I, don't, I don't see that happening anytime soon. So we talked a little bit about uh, your coach, Steve Kerr, is, is one of the best coaches league-wide that's, that's been well-established. He has been a key factor in what has made the Warriors so successful in the last five years. He did in- inherit quite a team mm-hmm. at, in the Bay. But from your perspective, you've seen what Steve Kerr has done with the franchise in San Francisco. From, from covering a, a team that has been a, di- a dynasty – what do you think the Pels should be looking for in a head coach as they move forward, uh, as they progress in this head coaching search? Well, I think they, I think they were looking the same direction. I mean, your, your coach the last, what, four or five years was Alvin Gentry, who was the number one guy under Steve Kerr when they won the title in 2015. Um, so I, I personally could not criticize that move. I mean, you had the number one assistant for you know, the NBA champions joining your team as the head coach. Um, and, I, and honestly, like to me... It's like a 50-50 split when it comes to um, if a team is not successful, whether or not the coach has anything to do with that. Sometimes clearly it does. I don't know in the Pelicans case if Alvin Gentry was at fault for, you know, you, you guys not making the playoffs most of those years or for Anthony Davis leaving. Um, you know, I, so I, I didn't mind the move. And um, Steve, first of all, Steve Kerr, we are spoiled having him. I've interviewed him. I love the man. You know, I'm a surfer. He's a surfer. That's what we mostly talked about when we actually sat down and, and <laughs> talked. Um, but, I, you know, and I brought up, you know, I, I like when I do interviews with these guys, I oftentimes like to focus on angles no one else talks about, right? I mean, everyone asks some questions about basketball. I wanted to know what else he does. And he's an avid surfer. And we talked waves for 10 minutes. He's uh, he t- talked about his one snowboarding or skiing experience in life. And it was just very fascinating, like talking about these other interests of his. But so for the Pelicans, yeah, I mean, you have a dynamic roster. I The one player on your roster that I'm not excited about, and you would know better than me, Elliot, in terms of whether or not he's a long-term fit, is, is Ball. I don't okay. know. I, I still don't know if he's going to be successful in this league. He has not shown me. He's shown flashes, but the definition of greatness in sports is consistency, right? Doing it night in, night out, and he has not shown that um, yet. He is still young, but... I don't know if he's going to be the guy, but again, if, if Zion is healthy and um, you know, you have Brandon Ingram winning what most improved player this year. I mean, you have the foundation for a very successful, long-term successful team Uh, in terms of a head coach. I mean, I I mean, are there names being thrown out there? I mean, I haven't really followed the Pelicans coaching search that much. Right. So I guess, I mean, you could say Doc Rivers is still technically in the mix right now. It's pretty. It looks like it's pretty sure he's going to go to Philadelphia, unfortunately. Yes, I saw um, that. You you would want him? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. All right. Would you, would you not? No, no. Okay. I, I, I I look at it. I mean, there was there was a clip just the other day of like how Phil Jackson used as a as a, a motivational tool during a playoff series. He kept telling his players, "Don't worry, Doc Rivers is known for choking in the fourth quarter." And he does. I mean, when you look at his coaching history, he's, he's, uh, he's lived so much on that one championship with the Celtics. But when you look at his overall body of work, there is so much more failure than success. And especially when you see how much talent he's had on some of those teams, um, maybe as a short-term fix, possibly. I mean, I, he's a player's coach. I mean, players typically like him. But I, I think if you're aspiring for greatness, I would, I would bring in Doc for a year or two and then when your team's ready to take that next leap, then get his ass out of there and bring in like a coach who could get you a championship. But no, I think Doc Rivers is kind of overrated. Like I, I, I don't know. I mean, the Clippers, that was a, the biggest choke job arguably in playoff history, you know, and he was at the helm of that. So I, I, why is he not being held responsible? You know, um, that's why I, I'm not a big fan. No, I mean, who, who else, who else is out there? I mean, that you guys can get. Okay. Uh, to 
<laughs> rebuttal. Uh, yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have been very passionate about Doc uh, the okay. last couple episodes, so uh, <laughs> maybe no, not go ahead, anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, these, are all, these are all opinions, right? Sure, I mean, sure, sure. I, I, uh, that's just right. how I feel. I, I've been watching him since, you know, I mean, I remember watching him play. I mean, he was even a great player way back when. And, and, and again, as a coach, I, I still just feel strongly that he, he lives so much on that title. But that was 12 years ago. You know, like at, right. at what point are, is he, you know, at what point is he going to be held accountable for all the failures since then? I mean, there's so many teams that should have done more. This Clippers fiasco to me was a huge flag. That was a yeah. huge flag. That Clippers roster is more talented than the Lakers, and they couldn't even beat the Nuggets. So, yeah. I don't know. So, why do you love him? So, here's the thing about, about Doc, is that we know he gets players, well, may, maybe with the exception of this year, to buy in and, and to play hard. And Alvin Gentry definitely did not do that. He is very <laughs> much a guy who does not create accountability at all uh -huh. within the locker room. And there's been <clears throat> talk of Doc not doing that too with stars. So that's a, that's a red flag, obviously, as well. It's tough for me to put this year's like complete falling off a cliff on, on Doc solely. Here's the thing about that is that <clears throat> obviously you never want to lose, lose after being up 3-1. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's done that three times in his career. He's known yeah. for losing in the fourth quarter, too, which is a red flag big time for the Pels because they got a lot of leads and then lost them late. That was a big problem for the Pelicans this year. But the issue with uh, putting all the blame on him this year is, well, one, they barely had enough guys to be healthy all season long. I think they had the entire lineup healthy, maybe like 11 games out of this year. Um, and yeah. then they threw them all together in the playoffs, which you can put some of the blame on Doc for that too. Whether or not you believe in load management, this is one of the weirdest years possible, obviously, oh, yeah. considering the pandemic the, and the bubble and everything. The weirdest. Yes. The weirdest. Oh, oh like, yeah. By a mile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. also, I mean, this team just got put together. They're in the West. I mean, he has only made it to the semis in each of the last uh, – he's been with the uh, Clippers for seven years. But it's mm -hmm. like, again, in the West, one of the toughest conference in the, in the uh, NBA between the West and the East. So there are so many factors that go into it. I there think are. the Clippers should have given him another year to see if he could really put it together, shake up the roster a little bit maybe. Obviously, Paul George was pretty horrible in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. uh, and, I mean, you got Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi doesn't like him, then you move on. I understand that. We haven't heard anything about that as far as I know. But I just don't think there was enough substance, at least in this year solely, to say, yeah. all right, Doc, we're done. This is not uh, – so with that, I, I think the thing that I like about Doc is, well, we'll give him credit for the championship that he got. He did make it to another championship with the Celtics, lost in seven games to the Lakers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then he went to the Clippers and inherited a pretty good team about like eventually they got things put together and then the Warriors dynasty happened and also the Spurs yeah. are in the West and the Lakers were still semi-competitive early on and so I just don't think you can put it all on Doc there I think no he is I'm, a good I'm not coach. putting it all Right, right, right. right. All on him. I guess my thing about Doc is this I think it, it depends a lot on your standards and of your team, right? So if you're a team like the Pelicans, for example, I do think he would be great short-term because you're right. He does, again, he gets feedback from the players. He does get the teams that he coaches into the playoffs, which I think short-term should be an immediate goal for, you, for your team. Um, but I think if the Pelicans got to the point where they have championship aspirations, which with that, the, that roster, they could in a, in a short amount of time, then you move on from him. That, that, that would be my direction I'd go. I think Doc's a good fit for a team that needs guidance and leadership. On a short-term level, I don't think he's a good fit if you're, you have championship aspirations. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah, a lot of us in the Pelicans media have heard a lot of that from people on the outside in terms of a lot of the candidates, and I mean, I would agree for a lot of the, the people who are saying that, a lot of the viable candidates this year are guys like that who aren't championship level head coaches. I mean, Mike D'Antoni's never won a championship. Um, Doc Rivers has only won the one, obviously. Kenny Adkinson is about development. Jerry Stackhouse has never been an NBA head coach. Billy Donovan, never been to a championship, and he's obviously with the Bulls now. So, yeah, that's, that's the situation we're just in, you know? And as far as yeah. names for who I think the Pels should go after, my three now 
given that Doc Rivers is probably not going to be a guy you can get, is going to be Stackhouse, is going to be Kenny Atkinson or Sam Cassell. I'd like any of those. I mean, I don't know much about Sam Cassell as a coach. I know he's been an assistant for a long time, but um, I, I, yeah, I think any of those would be a good fit. It's just, again, New Orleans, it's, it's every market, every team has different expectations, right? Because some, some teams, some markets just have such a larger struggle to recruit talent. And so you do have to manage expectations. So I could see why the Pelicans would want Doc Rivers. I get it. Um, he's a big name and he does have success. He does have a track record of success. I guess my standards and expectations are just very different. I mean, my team is the Warriors and this is for the last <laughs> eight, nine years now, it's, it's, it's been more about championships, except for the beginning when they're, you know, they were probably the same as what the Pelicans are about to be. Yeah. So I guess in that regard, that's why I'm not a huge fan of Doc Rivers. I've, I've just seen so much more failure from him than success on the big stage. that it's kind of made me weary, I guess, you know, by the way, I would not be a proponent of Mike D'Antoni. Oh no, God, no, 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 no. I think he might, like he might be good for like a Minnesota. Like I could see that working, you know, so at least your team, even though they're not going to play defense, at least they're going to score a ton of points and be entertaining and probably make the playoffs. Um, Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm, if you're, if you're a Pelicans fan and Mike D'Antoni is not linked to your team. I'd say you're stoked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been hearing a lot about Jason Kidd and Mark Jackson, and I swear, Cyrus, oh. I swear, if that happens, I don't know what I'm going to do. I will. In terms of being happy or sad? So, oh, sad. Why? Sad. I, I, think those are, I think those are great. Like, Mark Jackson, what? to me, I mean, Mark Jackson, in his brief time with the Warriors, turned that franchise from – a, a loser laughing stock to a, a borderline contender. I mean, they, I know they needed Kerr to basically take them over the top, but you ask all those players why they are the way they are today. They'll start with Mark Jackson. I mean, he instilled defense in them. He instilled a work ethic in him. Um, there is a lot to say about the reason why he hasn't coached since then being because of his, his fairly conservative actions and beliefs behind the scenes, which caused a lot of uh, uh, strife. Um, but I, if you take that aside, I, I don't see why you wouldn't want Mark Jackson. I, I, Jason Kidd, I, I don't know. I can see you not being super excited. I, don't, I wouldn't mind him. I mean, he's been fairly successful as a head coach almost wherever he's gone, um, and, and I think he could develop players. But Mark Jackson, I, why, why would you not like Mark Jackson? I think they'd be a great hire. I think uh, he's well known for being pretty rigid. Um, yeah. There's the issue of – uh, he had some issues with the front office when he was in Golden State too, right? Yeah, and I told you why. Yeah, because he because he's 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 a very religious person, and I think behind the scenes, and again, I'm not don't quote me on this, but there's a lot of speculation from what I've heard and from what other media have reported that he had some fairly homophobic beliefs, Ooh. which did not ver- did not sit very well with a a team that's in the Bay Area, which is one of the one of the more progressive markets in the country, and b the fact that the team's president Rick Welts is gay. So that was a problem. Um, and he just was not, he just did not play along. Like he, like the, the team, at least early on during his days, had a very strong corporate mindset in terms of working together, in terms of being on the same message. And Mark Jackson wanted to coach his team the way he wanted to coach it. He did not want to listen to CEOs and non-basketball people and kind of play along, you know. Um, and so that was a huge issue. And so when his contract was up, they were like, no, nah, we got Steve Kerr. We'll recruit him and bring him in instead. I th- to me, a, a team, if you want them to have championship aspirations, and I think the Pelicans, for possibly the first time in your franchise's history, is set up for that. If you do it, things the right way, I think, Mark, I think you need a coach that's going to bring structure and some rigidity and some discipline. You know, I think those things are a good thing. I mean, I, mean, I don't think you continue that on year after year, but for a young team that's trying to understand what it takes to get to that next level, I think you need that. I think you need someone coming in there and kind of setting them straight and being like, look, this is how it's done if you want to actually be successful. Um, most teams in this league do not find success from coaches who coddle, you know, from coaches who are just the player friendly, do what you want. That's Alvin Gentry. Be, which was Alvin Gentry, very yeah. much so. Like you need yeah. that balance. Like you also need that structure. <clears throat> so I, I think Mark Jackson would be great. But again, from what I've heard, that's the reason why teams are very apprehensive in terms of hiring them. Right. And the thing about that, uh, Pels absolutely need structure, especially for the young team that they are. I'm all about that. In terms of the rigidity of personality, 
I think he and Griff would butt heads big time. I don't think that would work well at all. And, and yeah. that is a big reason why I'm a huge proponent of Stackhouse is he seems to, well, one, he's got a relationship with Brandon Ingram, which is huge. Obviously, that's yeah. the star. Um, other than Zion Williamson going forward, they're both from the same hometown. Stackhouse kind of mentored him growing up. Um, and, I mean, the, the Commodores went 11-21 and 21 last year, and Vanderbilt is begging for him to come back. He appears to be the kind of guy who knows when it's time. Like, he would bring structure, but he would also be able to work with Griff because he's such a good people person. So right. Stackhouse appears to be the ideal, and holding your standard to the ideal is almost unfair. But I, I just, as this culture is being built – all about structure, but rigidity just does not appear to vibe with what the Pelicans are trying to build, at least outside of the frame of of, of Griff. Because Griff appear is Griff is the rigid guy. Griff Griff controls what's going on from top to bottom in New Orleans. That is interesting. Uh, and I yeah, I don't know much about Stackhouse. I do know I remember as a player, he was a great player, and I know in his brief stint as a head coach, he has been successful. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's just the only, you know, it's, it's a gamble. I guess that's the one downside with Jerry Stackhouse is you really are not going to know what you're going to get with him until he comes in. Whereas with a veteran, you do have some semblance of an idea as to what to expect. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a risk could pay off, but it could just continue on the malaise, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And it's, that's totally fair. I mean, it's going to be a risk every time you hire a head coach, really. Yeah, that's um, true. It's just, it's so, just a level of risk, right? Some have higher levels of risk than others. And right. And, and, and I guess it, I don't and I don't know if risk is the right word, right word with Stackhouse as much as maybe uncertainty. Like you just don't know. I mean, he's, he's never coached in the NBA. Um, I mean, I think he had some G League experience, right? If I'm not mistaken. As a, yep, as a, he, he coach. coached a G League affiliate to a championship. He was also an assistant. I believe he was an assistant with the Raptors. So Might he does have, been, have yeah. some NBA coaching experience. Yeah. Um, so and then he was... I wouldn't hate on it. Okay. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't be dis- I wouldn't be disappointed <laughs> in that decision. I'd just be, you know, I'd, be, I'd just be interested. I'd be intrigued. You know, like, let's see what happens. But I would not, I would not like, hate on that. I, would, I certainly wouldn't be negative on... If, if the Pelicans hired Jerry Stackhouse, I'd be excited. I'd be optimistic. I think that's that would be my approach. I uh, tend to, when we have this conversation on the podcast, I tend to point people to, I, I write for SB Nation's Pelicans affiliate, The Bird Rides. Nice. And nice. I, have, I have a friend who writes for them as well. He's been on the podcast a few times. Chris Connor wrote an article about Stackhouse. And know, as far as I know, every single person that's read that article turns and is like, okay, Stackhouse is my number one. So... If you're wow. interested, I can send you right. send you the link. But I'll find it. It's easy. Okay. SB, yeah. SB Nation, you're the Pelicans blog. Yeah, yep. done. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that is largely what's convinced me. But uh, I, you know, okay. I'm okay, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with the uncertainty. I would be okay. I would be okay with that too. I mean, you, you have to be realistic, right? I mean, we I talked about pragmatism early on. Uh, the New Orleans market is not geared right now to attract the, the, the most high-profile candidates, right? It's, it's, I don't know why that is. I, I, to me, New Orleans is one of the greatest cities in this country. I know it's not a huge market, and I know in a pandemic, all the appeals of a big city are not there as much. Um, but I, I love the area. You know, I'm not a big proponent of the South. My values conflict with that area in a lot of ways. I lived down there for two years. Um, but I love New Orleans and I, I, it surprises me a little bit why like an Anthony Davis wouldn't want to stay there um, or why there's some struggle with bringing in more high profile athletes. Um, so with that said, yeah, I, I don't think it's that easy to bring in like the ideal candidates. Like, like if you have a wish list, pretty good possibility that your, your organization is not going to actually hire them. Um, despite what you want. So I would say, yeah, Jerry Stackhouse is someone you should be happy with, you know? Right. I'd, I'd be cool. I'd be happy with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. To speak to the inability of New Orleans bringing in free agents and, and coaching and, and such, it's front office ineptitude and lack of success in terms of uh, historic, yeah, yeah, historic lack of success in New Orleans. I mean, yeah, those Chris Paul teams for a little while and, and then yeah. uh, they, that just fell apart. They lost seven games to the Spurs and the injuries and – the fact that they didn't want to pay players and and then Anthony Davis comes and DeMarcus Cousins comes and Cousins tears his Achilles. And yeah, it's just been a lot of Uh, bad luck and ineptitude in New Orleans. So uh, you can relate to that for part of the Warriors franchise too, I'm sure. Oh, for most of my life. I mean, I'm I'm 42 years old. I mean, the Warriors only were good starting in 20, what, 13? I mean, so 
most of my, I mean, that we had little moments in my life where they were good. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the 87, 88 team, um, you know, they took the late, they, you know, they went to the conference semis, which back then the Lakers owned the West. So just to get that far was impressive. They had a brief, they had a good run in from the late eighties to early nineties for about three years because they had run TMC. George Carl was their coach for a year before then the Don Nelson teams. But I mean, you have these little runs like the run TMC years. You had one year where you had Spreewell and Chris Weber. Um, and then you have like decades in between of just utter incompetency and, and, and them just being the biggest joke in the NBA. I mean, them and the Clippers were like the two laughing stocks of this league for decades and so I, I get suffering. Believe me, I think most Warriors fans, not the, the bandwagon jumpers that everyone likes to point to, us true Warrior fans who have been loving this team for decades, keep in mind the Warriors sold out that arena every night through all those years of misery. They have an incredibly loyal fan base. And so I get it. Believe me, I understand what it's like to year after year have your team not be relevant, have your team year after year disappoint. It sucks. Um, you oftentimes have to find a second team to root for. You oftentimes have to find an individual from another team to root for to at least keep your interest in the game. Um, but with all that said, your, dude, your Pelicans team is lined up for potential greatness. I mean, you have a foundation there. It's just a matter of it working together. It, a huge part of it is going to be Zion, whether or not he can maintain a full load. Um, with that body and whether or not he needs to lean up more. I don't know. I mean, he's such a special, unique player that I'd be so stoked as a Pelicans fan just to have him as your foundation. That is so huge. And then Brandon Ingram possibly turning into Kevin Durant light. Um, there's a lot to be excited for with you guys. I'm, I'd, I'd be stoked if I was a Pelicans fan. There is a lot to be excited for. It's all going to start hopefully with uh, hiring a head coach here soon and making some moves this off season, possibly with the Golden State Warriors. So, for the reasoning that we brought you on, Cyrus, we can yeah. finally get to it. The Drew Holiday trade scenario being a possibility with Golden State this okay. offseason. Do you like the addition of Drew to this lineup? Let's say let's let's not address necessarily what the moves would be, but to the core pieces that are in in uh, Golden State. Um, to me, the answer to that question depends entirely on who the Warriors give up for him. Um, I think he's a, what is he like? Uh, he's 6'3", so he's not a big player. I know he's known to be a, a solid defender, um, but he's not, he's, again, he's not a big guy. I mean, he's barely taller than D'Angelo Russell, although, again, he is much more defensive-minded. I haven't heard what the Pelicans would want. Like, are you, are like are, are the, do the Pelicans expect that lottery pick for him? I don't, I don't know. Like, like what, like, uh, I, I guess my I guess my question my rebuttal to that is like like what are what do the Pelicans want in return? Right, that's that is a good question, and obviously the the Pels have to make the money work. So do the, so the Golden State. Um, so and why the, and why and and I guess I should ask you this: Why do the Pelicans want to trade him? Right, that's <laughs> that's a great question. So the issue with Drew has been uh, that well, he's not one. This is. Not necessarily the biggest key in, in trading him, but it is something that the Pels really need is that he is a veteran, but he doesn't provide real vocal leadership. Uh, mm. he's, just, he's kind of there. Um, he's a great he's a great person, done a lot for the city, done a lot for uh, communities all over the country. And he is an incredible defender. He's pretty inconsistent on offense. Um, the fact that his deal is expiring is a big big issue um i think the pels wanna the the goal is in trading him to improve for the future because drew is 30 30 he's 30 he's, yeah. yeah he's 30 and so he's not necessarily going to be a, a part of this core that has the bright future you know i mean in the thing about young teams that have vets like drew is that yeah. they bring that vocal leadership that wouldn't necessarily come from a guy like Zion because he is 19 or, or 20. And, yeah. uh, and Brandon Ingram, who is a younger guy, Lonzo Ball's quiet. I mean, even if he sticks around this offseason too. So while Drew is also, I mean, to address the, the fact that he is one of the top defenders in the league, he is that, but the team defense in New Orleans is absolute garbage. That's going to start with a, a head coaching <laughs> hire. But if yeah. you can go out and get several pieces that can help with that team defense, 
as opposed to just one and you can get especially a wing who can defend, that's going to be huge. Yeah. So I guess, I guess with that said, um, I don't, I just don't know what the Warriors could offer outside right. of that lottery pick, I guess. And, 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 and so if the COVID, so first of all, is Drew, I thought Drew Holiday still had two years left on his deal. Is it just one? One and a player option. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So he'll likely exercise that player option, though. Yep. Yep. Um, so you're probably having for two more years. I, you know, I, uh, I, I, to me, it just depends. You know, if, if, uh, if, if you're, if you're willing to accept him for like Eric Pascal and like a future first round pick that's not one of the lottery picks, Ooh. yeah. I'll happily do that. If you're if you're wanting a lottery pick for him, man, that's a tough. That's tough. That is tough. I don't know, man. I, I still don't understand why. I, I get that. I get the Pelicans wanted to trade him, um, especially from the reasoning you mentioned. But if you're the Warriors, I mean, you would be a little wary. Or like, if Drew Holiday is really that good, like, why would why are the Pelicans so you know so anxious and excited to trade him? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, I'm, when I look at the Warriors, who they should pursue this offseason in a trade, like Drew Holiday is not the player I get excited about. Like I get, I get excited about Robert Covington, who I'm hearing could be available from the Rockets um, because their owner uh, Tillman Fertitta is cheap, and he doesn't <laughs> want to pay him next year, especially now the Rockets are no longer title contenders. Um, Aaron Gordon is or have he's taller, he's more athletic. Uh, and, and I'm hearing Marcus Smart is also available. And I think Marcus Smart is the same height as Drew Holiday. They're both defensive-minded, but Smart is four years younger. So if you're going to give up a lottery pick, I'd rather go with those guys over Drew. If the, the haul back is more modest and they come to an agreement where the Warriors are mortgaging you know, top-tier talent, yeah, of course I want them. I mean, I want him for free, but obviously that's not going to happen. He wants me back. So, I, you know, I, I, I gave you a list of the players I'd rather have um, in, a, in a trade. But, um, yeah, I, so I guess it would depend. Because I know there's other teams interested in Drew, right? I think you guys are talking with the Pacers. Yeah, uh, there's – I mean, the, this Drew Holiday trade series that we've been doing on the podcast has included the Heat, the Bucks, the Nets, the Sixers, and the Ooh. Nuggets. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, those are all. And, and so I guess, it, I mean, the good news is you have options. Um, so I just don't think the Warriors will be the highest bidder. I can't see that. I'm, my guess is some of those other teams are going to be a little more desperate for him because he does bring a lot. He averages nearly 20 points a game. You know, the defensive mindset, he doesn't seem like he's an issue in the locker room. Like, I don't think no. he's a bad chemistry guy. So no. he's appealing. I, I could see a lot of teams being interested in him. I, I just, I don't see the Warrior, that Warriors trade happening just because I don't think the Warriors would want to give up much. And there's so much other interest. Um, I mean, Jesus, like if you guys can get Victor uh, Oladipo, for example, like you're stoked, you know, like, I don't know if that's the name that's being mentioned with, with Drew. Um, I know the Pacers, I know he wants out of Indiana. So like, if you can pull that trade, like you do that 10 times out of 10, right? I mean, um, the, the issue yeah. there is injury concern. I'm, I'm thinking, um, I hear you. I hear mm-hmm. you. It's a gamble. It's a gamble, right. but, right. but Victor Oladipo, if he's healthy, I mean, is an all worldly talent. I, to put him with, what they already have. I'd be so stoked on that. I, I just like, I, I, yeah. So I guess that's, again, that's, that's my feeling on it. Um, and if you get Rick on, he'll probably tell you the same thing. I just, I just don't know who they would get in return, you know, like, or who they'd, who they'd give up for him, you know, that they want to give up. The, so. yeah, that's, I mean, that's the issue with the Warriors is looking at the contracts that they have on their roster. The only way they can really make their money work is if they give up like a Draymond Green or Andrew Wiggins. No, the money could work with the trade exception. The Warriors do have that $17.2 million trade exception, but I, I don't think the Pelicans would take that okay. alone. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not enough. You're, you're basically giving them up for nothing. You, I mean, for cap space, I, you know, and, and your market's not the most appealing for a free agent. So, so that's not a winning move, for at least for the Pelicans. And I don't know. That's my opinion on it. Okay. You know, I yeah. in looking at the young guys on the Warriors roster that – they could give up that the Pels would feel like they would get something out of it. You know, there's, uh-huh. there's like Kevon Looney. There's, I like Jordan Poole. I haven't seen a lot of him. Maybe, maybe you would disagree take with him. me on that. Take, take okay. him, no, take right. him, please. Please take <laughs> him. We'll do that. We'll do that trade right now. And then Eric, Eric, I like Eric Pascal too, obviously. He's, yeah, he's a, awesome. He's a good young guy. 
He's awesome. So, first team, first team all rookie. Uh, pleasant surprise of a draft pick, second round. I mean, he's just that Villanova talent, man. That school produces NBA player ready talent. It's it's um it's impressive what Jay Wright's been doing there. If that's his name, I think I got his name right. Yeah. So, he did. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, I I, I again, it's, it's my guess is you're gonna you have more leverage in terms of who to get back for him than what the Warriors could offer. That would be my guess. Um, so I, I don't see that happening, but who knows, man? I'm not going to say no either. Sure. All right. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to see if I can try to convince you. I know there's because, you know, well, we'll see what happens. But if see if the Warriors would be willing to give up one of their pieces. But let's say the, the Pels package, Drew Holiday, uh, J.J. Redick, and – who's a player of your choice that you like on the Pelicans? You like Melly? Cause he can have him. No. Okay. <laughs> How about Josh Hart? Yeah. I know. Okay. Why, why, why would you want to give him up? I'm just curious. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't just Josh Hart isn't bad. He's not I know. a bad option. At all. He's good. He's a, he's a good wing guy. Um, he's not the greatest shooter in the world by any but who means. Would you, who would you want in return for, for those players? I, you know, the, obviously, that number two pick is very uh, intriguing. Doesn't sound like yeah. they're willing to part with it. And well, then, they might. They might. I, I mean, what I'm hearing is that the Warriors are simply not excited about anyone in the draft. Sure. So that's that's the rumor. Okay. I mean, I mean these these are these are not easy facts to attain. But I mean, there there is speculation that um, they're just not. I mean, James Wiseman would make the most logical sense because the Warriors do need size, but he also hasn't played. Um, you know, in a year and a half and every draft expert I've spoken to is not excited about him, which is really surprising. They all tell me on film, he looks amazing. I mean, he, he, he's actually shooting outside. He says the right things. He want, he wants, you know, he's volunteering to be a defensive specialist, at least early in his career, which the Warriors would absolutely need from him. But every so-called expert, especially journalists who um, cover draft picks, right? Uh, nobody's excited about him. They're, it's really weird. So, I, and if they're not excited, I don't see why the Warriors would be unless they see something, you know, that these other analysts don't. And I definitely don't see them drafting Leangelo Ball. So, it might. I mean, I mean, the, the, the most likely scenario is that they probably trade that pick unless they know something no one else does. Um, so, yeah, for the right package, you'll, I'm curious to know who the Pelicans would draft with that second pick. Would it be Leangelo and have the two Ball brothers together? I mean, like, how would that work? I would be very surprised if they grabbed Lamelo. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, Lamelo. I keep saying Leangelo. I'm sorry. You're, yeah, yeah you're fine. That's a, that is a really good question. I, Wiseman would be, from what I know, a good fit, too, with the yeah. Pels. I, I like Onyeka Kungu a lot. I don't think he's worth the number two overall pick. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I haven't looked at the top of the draft near as much as I have at the, you know, the 13th spot where the Pels are. I think they might even package, they might even get the pick and then trade it if they can. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I know that the, the fit at where they want to be is probably around 8, 9, 10 to grab Patrick Williams. He's kind of the guy for, for them out of Florida State that at least that I want. But yeah, it it would more than likely probably be wise minute too. Okay. Unless unless Edward somehow falls and they feel like they want him and you know, there's there's just so much that can happen. This is a big old we don't freaking know kind of off season. True. So, this is yeah. true. Like I said, everything's weird, man. It is, it is <laughs> very, very weird. And the other right now, the other piece on the roster that that I think now hear me out. I, I don't know how you're gonna feel about this, but would be Probably Wiggins to pair him with B.I. for the long term would be really interesting offensively. I think that would be, I think that would be a piece that the Pels would be interested in. I'm sure they would. I, I, don't, I don't think the Warriors would give him up for Drew. I, just be, between the age and the size, I don't... I, to me, the Warriors want to keep Wiggins an add-on unless you're talking about a trade they're making for like a guy like Joel Embiid or something big like that. Um, to, to me, from what I see, Wiggins is part of the plan because with Wiggins, again, like you, you've, you've replaced that cub, that really vitally important piece for the Warriors, which is this, the, the wings, the wing spot, you know, like they won that 2015 title with Harrison Barnes as their small forward. 
you know, if the NBA didn't help the Cavaliers next year, they'd be repeat champions with that same formula. Um, and they, so they, they, in their mind, they need someone to fit that Harrison Barnes slash Kevin Durant role. And Wiggins is the closest thing to that. And they, and they really like him. Like, like they, like, I, I think Wiggins is going to be a great fit for him just because he's proven at this point, most likely that he's not going to thrive as the number one or number two option on a team, but as like your number three or number four option without the pressure of, of a team relying on you, that burden being put on your shoulders that Steph Clay and Draymond will happily carry. I think Wiggins will thrive in that system. Um, he's grossly underrated defensively. People love to somehow hate on him defensively, but if you actually just do any research, he's a shutdown defender. He's six eight. He's still young. He's freakishly athletic. Um, his outside shot is not as bad as people say it is. I think his three point percentage last year. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was more than adequate. I mean, it's, it's not. It was not a number that you would shoot down. Um, here, in fact, I have it here. I have it here. I think it was it was it was in the high thirty percentage mark, um, and now my computer's freezing on me, so maybe I can't find it. But anyways, point being, yeah, I can't see them getting rid of Wiggins for Drew, Drew Holiday or a package centered around Drew Holiday. The lottery pick, it's a possibility. I do know the Warriors are looking around to shop it. Um, they're a, a, a very, I don't know what the right word is to say, but they're they're they're. They're very logistical in their decision-making. They're very shrewd in their decision-making. So they're, not, they're clearly going to wait for the right opportunity um, in terms of who to trade the number two pick for. And his three-point percentage last year was at 33.2, which is exactly – like that's the Mendoza line for three-point success. Anything below that, and you're hurting the team shooting three. So as long as you're at 33% or above, you're fine. That's the equivalent of 50% shooting uh, from two-point shots. So, um, you know, Wiggins is, is a good fit. You know, he's, he's, I, don't, I don't see him going anywhere unless it's like, again, like a player like Joel Embiid or if you're willing to part with like a Brandon Ingram. You know, now we're oh, talking. No, no, yeah, no. So. <laughs> yeah, so. That is an easy question. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that's what I envision going on with the Warriors next year. Fair enough. And this is all obviously speculation. We've had so, yep. many, so many guys on to talk about the possibility of Drew Holiday being traded. The Warriors just being one of those possibilities. So uh, by the sounds of it, we won't be seeing it anytime soon. But if it does, we'll make sure to reconnect with you, Cyrus. And we might be yeah, getting... And I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and to the, to the people listening who are living in New Orleans, um, go to Cafe Du Monde, have one of those amazing, amazing beignets for me. <laughs> um, head over to District Donuts and Sliders and have some of those amazing uh, hamburger sliders. And every day that place, I don't know if you've ever been there before, they have like six different donuts to choose from with the most eclectic um, selection of flavors. Dude, New Orleans is a great city. Even in a pandemic, uh, you know, if you're like me and you're all super OCD and not doing anything right now, um, it's going to end at some point and you folks live in one of the greatest places in the world. And, um, and I'm hoping for your team to find success. I do. It's been a long time uh, since your team has really done anything. So um, I think a lot of us who love basketball want to see it because it's such a great community and city. Definitely. We appreciate you stopping by, Cyrus. Yeah, man. It's great. Thanks for having me on. There you have it, Pels fans. Our conversation with Cyrus Satsez of the Warriors 24 podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It was a fun one. Got to talk about so many different things. And make sure you come back tomorrow or in the near future, as uh, the Pelicans front office would like to say, to hear that conversation between Ali Costell and I, that will be coming up here on the podcast fairly soon. So do not miss out on that. In the meantime, go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Going to be getting all the Pelicans content there. Make sure to subscribe and or follow depending on where you're listening to this podcast. Leave a rate and review Do it on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you listen to this podcast go check out believe.com or any other platform that holds believe podcast it's going to be on spotify google play apple podcast stitcher etc wherever you're listening to this show at this very moment go check out the bird rights sb nation's pelicans affiliate you're going to be getting work from myself preston ellis ali cosell chris connor david grubb and kevin 
Berrios fam. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Do not miss our next episode with Ollie Cosell, and I'm sure we'll be having some other Drew Holiday trade series coming at you. So once again, folks, I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.